0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 19 of the Hashtag HeyKirwin Show. This is where you get to ask the questions and I get to give you the answers and because I'm, I know more than Google, basically. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to HeyKirwin where you have the questions and I give the answers. Diego Londono asks Hey Diego, one of our K2s. What are the main indicators that reflect having a strong and sustainable culture? What are the main indicators that reflect a strong and sustainable culture? Uh, values. Like, I think it's really, actually, no, there's probably three things. The three things that I see that reflect a strong and sustainable culture is a very pervasive understanding and expression of the purpose, a very pervasive expression and understanding of the mission, a very pervasive expression and understanding of the values, because these are the fundamentals. These are what we measure culture by, because culture is nothing more than it's a vibe, it's an energy, it's a feeling, and it comes from the people that are in there, and the energy that people put off really come down to the alignment of you know what they're aligning to. And in business, we've got to be very clear on our purpose, and our purpose is our reason why we exist. Why do we exist in the first place? Uh, and our mission has to be something that we're measuring our purpose against because sometimes if we're just completely purpose driven we might be out there helping the world and doing great things if we're not actually measuring it in a commercial way, if there's no commercial framework around that purpose, then we're essentially, you know, we've got a hobby or a hyperventilated, you know, charity mindset that might be doing great things, but we're not actually doing it in a sustainable way. And in order for a business to be sustainable, in order for a culture to be ultimately sustainable, there has to be a strong commercial model around that. And then there needs to be values that become like almost like the GPS guided system. These are the benchmark behaviors. And by the way, the values aren't things that we aspire to do, the values are the things that we naturally do and naturally show up. And and how we naturally behave. But most importantly, when we are under stress, when we are under pressure, they're the things that we look to to remind us, okay, if I'm maybe a little bit stressed right now, if I'm maybe overwhelmed right now, maybe I'm a little bit emotion right now, what is the best thing for me to do? I look at the values and I go, right, okay. So in a situation like this, so for example, one of our values is, you know, be deliberate, not desperate. We've just did a video editing uh, or a proofing session or, you know, authorization session, approval session before. And we're talking about introducing B-roll and we, you know, talked about introducing a, a cut from another film and I was like, hang on guys, slow down. You know, we need to be deliberate here. We're not desperate for B-roll, we're not desperate for footage, just leave it the way it is and we'll just push it out as is because we don't need to be so desperate. Let's be very deliberate about the things that we need to do. So in situations like that where the team were a little bit unsure of, do we leave a piece of content in, or do we pull it out? It really just came down to reflecting on the values and, and letting the values really guide us and direct us to do what was right uh, which in most cases is what is the right thing. And I think it's Gary Vaynerchuk who says, the right thing is always the right thing to do in every situation. So for a culture to be sustainable, for a culture to be strong, there needs to be, there needs to be leaders, there needs to be a leader, there needs to be other leaders that are in there constantly communicating the purpose or living the purpose constantly communicating the values, but also having the systems in place and the mechanisms in place to be measuring the performance of that mission. And for us, it's planning. You know, we do annual planning, we do quarterly planning, we do monthly reviews, we do daily, sorry, weekly planning and reviews, we do daily planning and reviews, and so for us, We're constantly, you know, testing and measuring and setting and and reviewing goals against the mission, which is 10 years, against the year, which is 12 months, against the quarter, against the month, against the week, against the day, so that there's a real strong alignment and a drive, a driver, there's a constant driver from the top all the way down towards the mission, but it's done with behaviours that are expressed and demonstrated around the values. And the only way that a culture that can become sustainable and strong over a long period of time is if that stuff is ingrained. But it starts with the top. It's got to be. It's got to be initiated by the leaders. And then there's got to be vacuums or voids that are created, and opportunities and challenges given to the people within that business to step up into that business to start really living and demonstrating. And so for me, social pressure is very important. Uh, the pygmyan effect is very important. The Pygmalion effect is a precursor for the social pressure that we talk about. And the Pygmalion effect really comes down to the expectations and the expectations of the leader, the expectations that a leader has on its team actually impact the probability of certain behaviors coming taking place. And if there's an expectation from the top that people are gonna behave a certain way, it's not gonna guarantee that people will behave a certain way, but it'll certainly increase the probability of people behaving in a certain way that will be aligned with what the expectation is. You know, expectation is 90% of the result. And if you know what to expect and if you define what to expect and you hire most importantly, to the expectations and to the alignment of the purpose, the mission, the values, Uh, and you are constantly planning in line with the purpose and the mission of those values, and you are constantly assessing and revising and acknowledging people's behavior based on the purpose, the mission, and the values, it becomes ingrained, it becomes autonomous behavior. And that's ultimately the goal of culture is you don't wanna be constantly reminding people what the values are. You don't wanna be constantly reminding people what the purpose is, constantly reminding what the mission is and constantly you know, telling them, have you looked at your plan? You need to be ingraining this in such a way with people who are self, have the ability to self-manage, have the ability to self-direct, have the ability to self-lead in such a way where we do it with that frequency, we do it with that repetition to a point where we don't need to do anymore it becomes autonomous behavior becomes automatic behavior becomes habitual behaviors and then you have a strong and self-sustaining culture that just drives forward and then all you need to do is fucking point in the right direction and then go and sometimes that doesn't even need to push sometimes they'll pull you with you if you set it up the right way thanks diego my friend diego he's a great guy he is he's an incredible man that was beautiful and Lena, you're amazing as well (laughs) love you guys the next question is from greg which greg k2 elite greg only Greg. No, no last name Greg. No last name Greg. I'm going to just assume it's the Greg that I think it is. I think it is the yeah. Greg. Think is it, it is? the Greg that I'm thinking is from K2? Well, this is a K2 round of Hey Kerwin. Uh, hey All right, Greg, what have we got? Do you personally schedule your days or do you have someone to do it for you? Great question. Also, jeez, you have some party arms on you these days. What have you been <laughs> Oh, doing? that Greg. I know who. <laughs> yeah, it is Greg. Do I, have, do I schedule my own day? Do I have someone that does it for me? A combination of both. Uh, I work with uh, a combination of two PAs uh, that also juggle other roles as well to ensure that my plan, my annual plan, but more importantly, my quarterly priorities uh, and the things that I need to be working on for that month, the goals that I need to be working on for that week, and the tasks I need to be working on for that day are scheduled into my diary for me. Um, and so, in essence, I schedule all my time. My time, and because I'm, I'm ADHD, right? And people say, oh, you lose the age when you get older. Eh, and I didn't, okay? So, for me, I need to have an enormous amount of structure around me. I'm very disciplined. But the reason that my, or the reason the way that I work works is because I have the discipline to apply myself to a structure. Okay, I am typically not very structured. And when I don't have structure around me, like you can see it, like when I don't know what to do, I literally walk around like a lost puppy. And I'm like, has anyone got something for me to do? I literally walk around looking for things to do. Um, And, you know, very rarely, but oftentimes I will look at my priorities. But other times I'll just go and wander around, see if there's someone that I can help. So for me, I found the best way for me to operate is yes, I have a list of goals that I'm working on that are connected to my quarterly tops or quarterly, tactical operating priorities. Yes, I have a a list of daily tasks that I'm working towards, but I schedule everything into my diary to ensure that it gets done. Because so many times we'll have a task that we want to get done, or we'll have a goal that we want to get done, or a priority we want to get done, but we never get it done because there are so many other things that scream louder than the priority, the goal, or the task that we have. So for me, the way that I ensure that things get done is I schedule them into my diary, and then all of the other urgent noisy stuff, it gets placed in around it. And I have two people in place to gatekeep me and protect me to ensure that my schedule is always completed. Uh, you know, to the point where you know, I have mastered the five-minute meeting. I normally have a fucking egg timer here somewhere. Um, I've mastered the five-minute meeting and I come in, like I've it's structured my entire life around performance, especially in the office. Yeah, so for me most days I don't eat my first meal until sometimes two or three o'clock in the afternoon. So I can literally and by the and, and even when I do eat, I'm normally eating in a meeting. I'm normally eating while doing approvals or eating whilst writing copy. So I can literally come in here If I've got my son, it'll be somewhere between 9 and 9.15. If I don't have my son, I can get in here somewhere between 7.30 and 8.30. And I'm not fucking kidding. I can work back to back to back to back with no breaks apart from running. And I do fucking run to the toilet. Most of the time, I don't walk. I will run or I'll have a little bit of a try. And people, I just want to stop people going, oh my God, that sounds fucking terrible. Don't. First of all, don't fucking judge me. All right, I don't judge you. And if I do, you have the right to, to spit fire at me. For me, I actually fucking really love being busy. I love being directed. I love being focused and my brain is constantly looking for something that I can focus on that I enjoy, and this is the key thing, everything that I do, I've been able to delegate so much of what I do to a point where the only things that I focus on on a daily basis are literally the things I fucking enjoy, the things that I'm really good at, and the things that I absorb that absorb my time, absorb my creativity, and allow me to express my genius in a way that fills me up and lights me up. So for me, I love the fact that I can come in here at 8am and just work back to back like a fucking machine until 3pm or 2pm when I have my first meal, eat whilst having a meeting, Okay, enjoying, to me that's social. Most people eat while they socialise. I'll eat and socialise at the same time. And then I can power through and leave. You know, if I'm going to pick my son up, or if I'm sorry, if I'm going home to do with my son, I'll try and get out of here at 4:30, 5:30. Like tonight, tonight I don't have my son, so it's 7 p.m. in the evening and I'm still here. And I said to the guys, I'll be here till fucking midnight because I go on holidays next. I go on holidays. I go, and guess what I'm doing for my holidays? I'm literally going on a holiday uh 16 kilometers away from where I live. I'm literally renting a house 16 kilometers away from where I live. So that it's not too far away from my house so I can go home and feed the cat, but also so I can come into the office and work out because now my gym is in the fucking office, which ensures that I'm going to come in here probably three or four times a week while I'm on holidays uh, and probably get some shit done because I'm going to be fucking bored otherwise, let's be honest. (laughs) But my point being is I love working at that pace because the reality is I can do more in a day than most people can do in a fucking week. I can do sometimes more in a day than most people can do in a fortnight, in some cases maybe even a month if you're really fucking lazy. But for me, I've worked out what works for me. And just because you might be listening to my model and going, that's just fucking nuts. I can't do it, that's fine. What you need to understand, I haven't always lived this way. I haven't always been this way. Like I am a, I'm I'm the, I'm the tip of the arrow. I'm the point of the spear. You know, this is 43 years of development. You know, I still remember like eight years ago, it might've even been less, when I would say to my uh, my team or whoever was running my diet at the time, okay, I can only do meetings two days of the week and I can do no more than four meetings a day. Like that's my fucking morning now. Like I'm not kidding. That is, that's fucking up until 11 a.m. now. Like I can do like, the amount of meetings that I'd normally do in a week now, I can do it before fucking 11 a.m. or, or 12 a.m. in the, in by Monday morning. So for me, I have been constantly exposing myself to greater levels and frequencies of information, greater levels and intensities of stress, greater and stronger levels of um, pressure to the point where I've gradually over time, I've experienced a lot of burnout, but gradually over time, but I haven't burned out for a long time now, but gradually over time, I've been able to condition myself to perform at higher and higher and higher and higher and higher levels to a point now, and you know, I don't joke about this, touch wood, I have literally had one day off in the last seven, well actually, I can say this now, seven weeks. Yeah, seven, I've been going full time, seven weeks, and I've had one day off. And look at me, I'm still healthy, okay, I'm still happy, I'm still hydrating, I'm eating great, I'm meeting very strong nutrition, I haven't, I'm not drinking any alcohol, I am fucking literally on fire, and it's seven o'clock on a Thursday night, before Good Friday, and some of you, I know, are not going to hear it. Oh, fucking! Well, you have no life. This is my life, and for me, there's no separation between what I love and what I do. You know, I'm not. You know, there's. A, I saw this video the other day about this kid who he was di- He was always dying for the weekend, dying for the next party, dying for the next holiday, and then one day he discovered he was actually dying from cancer and he had two weeks to live. For me, I am. I, I just. I love what I do. So what I do, my my team. They're not only my family but they're my fucking friends as well so we go well don't you well don't you want to go and hang out with your friends i do all fucking day i literally am hanging out with one of my friends now a new friend christian he's from fucking what norway norway yeah that's right and um oh what i will say is i've rediscovered coffee and i have had two mark that two listen to me quarter shot lattes today quarter shot do you know how embarrassing it is to walk into a coffee shop and ask for a quarter shot So for all those people that think I'm on drugs, I'm not on drugs, I'm on very small amounts of caffeine and the last coffee I had was at about two o'clock. But my point being is, for me, Greg, scheduling my life like this not only enables me to perform at levels that most people fucking dream of, but it also enables me to express myself and to do the things that I love at such a high level that no one can keep up with me. And so for me, I never worry about competition. I never worry about, you know, uh, what the other guy's doing. First of all, first and foremost, I'm abundant. There's so much more opportunity, there's more opportunity for everyone than there's ever been. But for me, I just focus on me. I just focus on doing me. And doing me may not be the best way for you to do you. And what's important is finding out what works for you. And, you know, putting yourself into a situation where you can ultimately get to a point where you do focus on the things that you love. But to answer your question in a very long way, yeah, I do have people that help and support and protect my time. You know, I've even said to my team members, it's, it's their responsibility responsibility my PAs it's their responsibility to end meetings not mine like it is not my responsibility to tell Christian that his time is up at the end of this hey Kirwan it's up to the PA to open the door come and say and literally come in and say to Christian time's up time to get out because I've said to them that literally is not something I want to be thinking about I don't want to be sitting there thinking and looking at my clock going when is the meeting going to be ending because that is literally creativity and attention that's being sucked out of my brain that can be put into something like this and creating content, whereby someone else, I will pay someone else to time a meeting. I'll pay someone else to watch my schedule. I'll pay someone else to gatekeep me so that I can focus my mind on the things that matter. Hope that helps. Lovely, that was beautiful. Beautiful. Gregory Diamond. See, there's more than one Greg. How do you deal with conflict between team members? Openly and honestly. Uh, conflict is one of those things, it's, you're never gonna avoid it. It's always gonna happen. Based on the diversity of cultures and personalities, uh, we tend to minimise conflict in our environment by hiring people that are very aligned to the values and the purpose and the mission. You see, for the most part, co- conflict only arises when there is friction uh, or resistance, where you've got two competing sets of values. You know, where someone has you know so th- their way of doing things, which is different from someone else's. And if if you've got two people that value open and honest communication, two people that value you know, innovation and constantly improving, and two people that value working smarter, not harder, if they've got different ways of doing things, they're not going to create... Free... And if you've got two people that know how to check their egos at the door, you're never going to find yourself in a situation where it becomes mortal combat. You know, I typically find most situations where it arises where it's mortal combat, where people are offended, and you know, it becomes where you know, you've got you know, feelings that have been hurt, is because, first of all, the ego is involved. Uh, And secondly, you don't have two people that are flexible to other people's perspectives and opinions. So for me, the first thing that we do when there is conflict, which is so rare, And I'm not saying it never happens. Over the years, we've had our fair share of conflict, you know, uh, here and there. But the way that we deal with it is first things first is we sit down and we diffuse the situation. And we do that by saying, look, let's just check our egos at the door. Let's be aware of what the symptoms are for for our ego, which is defense, denial, distortion, deflection, justification, demonstration, uh, blame, and attack. And if we can be aware of what those symptoms are, I go, right, okay, let me just take a few deep breaths, let me regulate. First of all, let me be aware that I'm triggered. All right, let me breathe. Let me reset my autonomic nervous system so I can get my biochemistry into a working order. Let me just reestablish a meaning that's perhaps gonna be more helpful in this situation. So this person isn't attacking me. This person isn't wrong. This person's just got a different perspective and maybe I'm gonna learn something. So if I just shut the fuck up and maybe listen, and I do say that with a little bit of jest, but also a lot of truth, then maybe I'm gonna learn something from the situation and I'm not gonna learn that I'm right. I'm gonna learn that perhaps there's a new way of doing things. And when it comes to conflict, you also need to understand it's not about being right, it's about being happy. And you know, sometimes I've discovered that there are certain people that just wanna be right. And there are other people, like for me personally, I have a very high value on harmony. And so for me, I'm less interested in being right and more interested in keeping peace. And so in many cases, I will allow someone to be right if it helps them feel better. And you might be going, but what Cohen, Is that, that...? no, I will share what I feel. Okay, I will share my point of view but I'm not so attached to my opinion that I have to prove myself right because that's demonstration, that's ego. And that's rooted in you know, an opinion. And the only way that you can have um, conflict is when you take a position. And if you have the ability to not take a position on anything, then no one can ever push back against you. And for me, I have the ability, like I have opinions, but I don't take positions that cause conflict because for the most part, now I'm not fucking perfect. Sometimes I do take a position depending on it. Sometimes I do draw a line in the sand, but for the most part, I have a higher value on harmony. I have a higher value on balance. I have a higher value on moving through situations and sorting things out. Now that doesn't mean that I'm submissive. Fuck me, do I look like a submissive individual? I'm not a submissive individual, but it just makes me very tactical and very, strategic, I should say, in the way that I approach conversations because I don't have this egoic desire to be right. I don't have this egoic desire to prove someone wrong. I don't have this egoic desire to demonstrate how intelligent I am, you know? And if you think that that is where I am driving from in any area where I'm delivering content, like I'd say nine out of 10 times, you know, you're probably gonna be wrong because for me, I have no desire to demonstrate my intelligence. I have a desire just to share what I learn, share what I know, share my experience. And for that for me is not rooted in me trying to demonstrate any intelligence. It's just rooted in my desire or my deepest value or my deepest purpose, which is to help people. And I'm more driven by helping people than I am about being right. I'm more driven by you know, sharing from experience to help other people than I am about you know, demonstrating how smart I am because I don't always get things right. And when I don't, if I don't take a position, then I'm more likely to learn if someone gives me feedback. So for me, Check your ego at the door. It's not about being right. It's about being happy. But us understand the only way that conflict can take place is when you resist okay, or when you take a position. That, those who take no position cannot be pushed back on because there is no resistance. If you're flexible in every approach, then there's no friction. Hopefully that helps. Perfect. He's like a gem, that guy. Oh, good one you're good you are love you greg one last question one last question from everyone's absolute favorite k2 elite member anonymous anonymous yeah we have an anonymous k2 member (gasps) and he or she he or she wants to know how do you know your baseline my baseline how do i know my baseline that's a really good question now for those of you playing at home who don't know what the baseline is yeah one of the things that we teach a lot in our programs but especially in k2 elite Um, is the tools and the discipline around regulating stress and regulating emotion based on the understanding that the more we know how to regulate stress and the more we know how to regulate emotions, the greater and the, the more expanded our perspective will be because when you're stressed, you narrow your focus. When you're emotional, you narrow your focus and it literally limits the amount of information that your brain will absorb because you become less conscious when you're emotional. You become less conscious when you're stressed. Um, and so for me, you know, one of the keys to learning how to regulate at a high level, whether you're in a fucking war zone, you know, with a bullet singing past you had a mortars going off or whether you're, you know, on the football field about to convert, you know, a try and you've got 800,000 people, or sorry, 80,000 people watching and 8 billion people tuning in or whether you're about to deliver a presentation or whether you're in the middle of a sales negotiation, the first thing you need to know is when am I emotional? When am I stressed? And the only way that you know when you're emotional or when you're stressed is knowing what your baseline is. And the challenge challenges for most people. Most people spend their life being so stressed or spend their life being so emotional that their baseline is actually being stressed. Their baseline is actually being emotional. Whereas for me, I have done years of a lot of therapy, a lot of meditation, a lot of self-work, a lot of development work to essentially, you know, peel back the layers to get to a point where I know what my baseline is. Now, I did use an incredibly potent piece of software that was potent for me, uh, that was developed by the HeartMath Institute that, that actually measures heart rate variability. And heart rate variability is an indication of stress and emotion. And so for me, I literally, when I first got up my hands on this piece of software, and I know fucking it's gonna light up, everyone's gonna ask HeartMath, heart Math, M-A-T-H, this piece of software, um, I literally wore it for like, oh God, it was weeks at a time. I'd be, wore, you know, I'd be wearing it and what I'd be looking at is I'd be looking at my own heart rate variability and anytime my variability started to shudder, anytime I got off baseline, I was like, right, I was like tuning in, what does this feel like? But most importantly, whenever I was in this beautiful variability where my heart was fully opening and fully closing and I had massive coherence between the heart and the brain, I would sit there and tune into it and I'd go, right, what does this feel like? What am I thinking about? What does this feel like to be coherent? and i kept on tuning in 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 i kept on, to the point where any time a little bit of emotion crept in i knew straight away any time a little bit of stress crept in i knew straight away because i was so tuned into my baseline now i spent weeks the culmination years but again what's your oh, don't have the top. fuck it depends on how how bad do you want it and for me you know this was this desire to learn this and to regulate at such a high level was born out of living decades with high levels of insecurity, high levels of anxiety, and high levels of fight-flight being constantly activated, stress, adrenaline being constantly activated because I just didn't know how to regulate. And so I went on this enormous journey to learn how to regulate in ridiculously stressful situations but for the most part I was learning how to regulate just in normal situations because even in normal situations I was highly stressed. And so for me My motivation was very high to do this, but to the point where now, you know, I meditate every day, twice a day, sometimes more. You know, most days I'm meditating anywhere between 40 minutes to a couple of hours. Um, So I'm, you know, I'm constantly exposing myself to the practices, disciplines, techniques, the structures that enable me to bring myself back to the baseline. So I might sound like a highly amped dude, but I can, I can literally just shut down. I can go straight to my baseline. And I'm back to neutral. Okay. Yeah, there are some times I need to know how to communicate for effect because I need to bring an audience with me on the journey. But what I am doing right now, when I elevate myself, when I elevate my psychology, when I elevate my energy, the difference being is, yes, I'm going above my baseline, but I'm doing it consciously by choice for effect, consciously by choice for impact. And you're going, Well, that's not very authentic. Yeah, this is me because this is how I am 80-90% of the time, but I also know how to relax. I also know how to regulate now at a much healthier level, without substance, without alcohol, without drugs, okay, without behaviours or processes. Well, processes, yes, but without I'm talking unhealthy processes, processes like gambling uh, or you know you know OCD expressions, that kind of thing. So for me, the baseline is something that we find through exploration. It's like how do you find Basecamp? Well, you fucking find it on a map and then you walk there. Okay, how do you know you're at base camp? Well, because when I start going up to, you know, camp one, I start to feel the effects of altitude, okay? And if you don't feel the effects of altitude and you keep going, chances are you're going to get altitude sickness, you know, whereas for most of us, we don't know where our baseline is. And so when we start becoming stressed, we start getting altitude sickness in the form of stress sickness, but we're not aware of it because it feels so normal. We experience things like burnout. We experience things like, you know, compromised immune disorders. We experience things like... Constantly getting the flu or constantly getting the cold because stress is an immune, you know, it becomes an immune condition. When you're constantly stressed, cortisol constantly running through your brain and body, uh, it does deplete your white blood cells. It does affect your immunology. It does affect your, your um, what do you fucking call it? The, uh, the lymphatic system into being operated at a, at a very highly, high and effective level. And so the less stressed you are, say so for example, the more you meditate, the, the stronger your immune system operates, the stronger your lymphatic system works, and the easier it is for you to regulate in situations where you're exposed to stress, where you're exposed to emotional triggers. But also, here's the, catch, here's the catch part, also when you're exposed to bacteria and viruses. Because the more in tune you are with your baseline, the stronger your immune system will be. So not only are you regulating stress and emotion, but you're also regulating your environment uh, and bacteria and viral environment as well. You know, why is it that one person will get more, you know, the person who's really stressed will get sick all the time? And why is it the person who meditates every day, twice a day, you know, why is it so rare that they get sick? Well, you only have to look at the research with meditation to realize that, you know, people who meditate have stronger immune systems. They have stronger neurology. They have less chance of early onset Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and the list goes on. So finding a baseline is a personal journey, but it's one that's worth taking and it takes time. And my advice is there is uh, anonymous, pursue it. Perfect. Thank you, everybody. That was episode 19 of the Hey Kerwin Show. Uh, For those of you who want to ask a question, get your questions in. Hashtag Hey Kerwin on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and even spray painting. No, don't spray paint on the walls. No, no. But it would be kind of cool. And if you did, take a photo of it. But don't, no, don't. don't. Actually, don't do that. Question of the day what is the number one thing that stresses you out? What is the thing that you need to become most aware of that takes you out of your baseline? Let me know below in the comment section, what is the number one thing that triggers you, that stresses you out? Let's become aware of it so we can get a handle on it, so we can become more effective at dealing with it when it comes up and navigating our environment. Thank you very much. Make sure you say hi to your mum for me. Till next time. Thanks for listening to Hey Kerwin. If you would like your questions answered, don't forget to use the hashtag #HeyCurwin on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn.